Welcome to our Clothe with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the Gospel of the Day. I am James Thomas. Today is Friday, October the 6th, 2023. It is the feast of St. Bruno, the founder of the Carthusian community in the church order, I should say. And uh, it's also the 26th Friday in Ordinary Time. Today's reading is from the Gospel according to St. Luke. <clears throat> Jesus said to them, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For the, if the mighty deeds done in your midst had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would long ago have repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable, more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And as for you, Capernaum, Will you be exalted to heaven? You will go down to the netherworld. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. So we have more threats today. <laughs> uh, and this is connected with Jesus sending out the 72 and telling them that uh, they are to shake the dust from their feet. Uh, if people reject them, and that it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for the towns and cities that have rejected Jesus himself. I always laugh when I read this reading. I don't know, my brain, it works in crazy ways, but I see him say, woe to you, Chorazin. Uh, New Jersey, where I live, had a, I think he was a senator a little while back, or maybe he was the governor, and his name was Corzine, Corzine, and, um, yeah, he was really in favor of a lot of really immoral stuff. And he wasn't very popular. They say that he stole the election. Well, didn't steal it, but he uh, he bought the election because he was extremely wealthy. Uh, anyway, I see that and I think of his name. Anyway, he's not in power anymore. But Jesus is saying that these people have been given a lot of chances They've been given salvation. They've been given the very, very best. And they've rejected me. And you know what? I said at the beginning, and I know I've said this in other podcasts, Jesus is making threats. In a way, they are threats, and they're worse threats than anything else ever in the history of the world, because we're talking about a damnation. Yet, to be extremely precise, Jesus does not threaten. Jesus loves us. <laughs> He's our God who died on the cross for us. He made us in love. He intends for us to be saved. That is his intention, not to threaten us, but to save us and to show us mercy. But he's merely stating the facts. The only source of mercy is Jesus. Now, other people might not have the same level of culpability for rejecting him because maybe they've never heard of him. But for those of us that have heard the good news, um, this is what we're given. We're given salvation through the author of salvation. We're given salvation through God Almighty himself who created us. And if we're going to reject him directly, if we're going to make this a direct rejection, yesterday I talked about all the people born and raised Christian and Catholic that have been given everything. And yet they, and this is like 85% now of people that call themselves believers, people that have been baptized, they've rejected the Lord. They've rejected the faith. They don't 
follow Jesus. And Jesus isn't saying, oh, I hate you guys. No, it's the opposite. He's saying, out of love, I still call you to repent, but woe to you. Because you were given the ultimate means of salvation and you rejected it, and there's nothing else that's going to be given to you. I mean, I pray for these people that maybe there's some other way. Maybe they lose their minds. But even so, if they're in a state now where they haven't lost their minds, they're culpable for this. They're not culpable for what happens later if they get dementia, whatever. You know, I always say it's great. Uh, the Lord made us in such a way that he's so wise that he gave us old age. And old age makes people humble. Sickness makes people humble. But even there, as people are going into sickness and old age, they need to have that humility to turn back to God. But if it's simply a question of dementia and then a priest comes in and blesses them, okay, you know, we pray that, that for that soul, that that soul had just enough compunction that they're able to receive those graces to avoid hell. All we need to do is the slightest turning back to Jesus, and he will give us the rest of those graces. Even if it means we have to spend a really long time in purgatory, at least we're not going to hell. But we pray that, hey, we go straight to heaven. I mean, that would be nice. And that's why we have things like the apostolic pardon that a priest can give you before you die. That's why we have indulgences. That's why we have promises like Our Lady promising those who, pro or Jesus promised those who meditate on the seven sorrows of Mary every day uh, will go straight to heaven. It's not just like the scapular, you eventually go to heaven. They go straight to heaven. So anyway, not that we want to play games with grace and say, well, all right, I'm going to murder people up to this date and then I'm going to change and start meditating on the seven sorrows. That's not how it works. It's about conversion of heart. It's about our participating in salvation. Remember, when Jesus performs miracles, he doesn't do it against people's will. He says, your faith has saved you. So they have to be receiving that grace. They have to have faith in the Lord who gives the grace. And so this is where we are, that those who are given much are asked more. Those who are given less are asked less. One of the dangers I wanted to just mention here today in talking about this is what we would call institutional sin or people being confirmed in their sin. For example, a person might go to confession and confess, oh, I had sex with my boyfriend or girlfriend, or I had homosexual sex or whatever, you know, and okay, God loves us. God forgives us. God is understanding to us. Hopefully the priest in the confessional is also compassionate and understanding and kind and a good listener. Hopefully we've heard many stories where they were not, but what if a person comes into the confessional and says, I'm sleeping with my boyfriend or girlfriend and I don't care. I'm going to continue doing it. And we're not married and we're not getting married anytime soon. Okay, well, that person is choosing to be out of grace. And I don't know why they're in the confessional. Maybe they're they're there because they think they can just have a couple sins taken away. It's kind of like when you clean the bathroom and you only clean the sink and you don't clean the tub. Maybe they think that's what that is. They can receive partial grace. But the reality is you're either confessing at all. There's either true conversion or there's not. And so 
if a person is not sorry, then they are confirming themselves in that sin, especially if they're doing it in the confessional, because now it's a little courtroom there. It's a little tribunal where the priest, remember the words of Jesus, whose sins you forgive are forgiven. Okay, that's wonderful. That's the part we think about all the time when we think about confession. But Jesus also said, whose sins you hold bound are held bound. If a person is not sorry, and yet still they're going before the priest, the priest is supposed to essentially say to them, I'm sorry, I can't forgive you. I can't absolve you. Now, a good way to say it is not I refuse absolution, but maybe let's delay absolution until we have more time to talk about this, pray about it, think about it, work on it. Uh, In many cases, maybe there's a priest that can say, okay, let's start working on your annulment from your previous marriage. Let's start working on getting the two of you married if this is how you really want to be together, living a conjugal life. So, you know, there are ways to get out of that confirmed sin. And then there's institutional sin. And this is something we really have to think about. Are you working for a company that is doing sinful things? Uh, You're working for that company could be what's called cooperation. There's different levels of cooperation. I wasn't going to give a full discussion on that. That's like a topic for a class. But there's levels of cooperation. There's... uh, Material cooperation, but formal cooperation. Formal means, yes, I intend the evil. Material means like, okay, I don't intend it, but I happen to be working for this hospital and they happen to do abortions in another section. Um, There's formal and material, and then there's uh, close and distant. There's proximate and, uh, anyway, what's the word for distant? I forget. Um, But yeah, if you're proximate, formally cooperating, like you're the nurse in the room doing the abortions, or you're, heaven forbid, you're the doctor. Okay, that's clearly really bad. Let's just say it's remote uh, material. And a lot of us are guilty of that because we live in this world. <laughs> you know, we, you buy products from companies that maybe are supporting immoral things. Well, even that is something we need to work against and get away from but there might be a sliding scale on that one. That's an area where we legitimately say, use your conscience because yeah, we should get away from all cooperation. But anyway, I just wanted to mention that, you know, with these towns, there is a formal cooperation going on there with these cities. There are people that are legitimately taking part in the sin. And I I hear a lot of talks that priests will give and different people in the church will give talking about how, We formally cooperate with institutional sin all the time, and yet we don't think about it. Like, for example, somebody said this to me recently, and now, man, I really got to rethink a lot of things. Every time the name of Jesus is said in vain, that's an offense against the throne of God. And you might think, okay, well, I don't do that. Okay, great. But let's just say you have a favorite movie that you watch all the time where they're saying, Jesus Christ as as a curse all throughout that movie. Okay, well, even if you're not cooperating with that formally, even though if you're against that, still, you're allowing that movie to play that's using the name of God in vain. The angels are hearing that. God himself is hearing that and offended by that. So why are you playing that movie? I don't know. That's just one example of so many things where we have to more and more and more all the time challenge our intentions. How much do I love the Lord Jesus and how far am I willing to go 
to show that love, to prove that love, to be confirmed in that love and in that repentance. One quick little teaching, theological teaching about the sacrament of confession is that we believe, the church teaches officially, that there's form and matter of every sacrament. In other words, the things that make the sacrament valid. And the form of confession is the absolution that the priest says. That's the thing that completes the act. It absolves the sins. It takes the sins away. But the matter for confession is what the penitent, the person going to confession does. And there's three things necessary for the confession to be valid. And even our Protestant brothers and sisters that don't have absolution as part of their daily routine, we even believe, and I think a lot of Protestants would agree with this, that they're supposed to have, in order for sins to be forgiven, on the part of the person, there's supposed to be three things that happen. And these are very scriptural. One is, I'm sorry for my sins. One is, I confess my sins. Even if you don't believe in confessing to a priest, the letter of James says, confess your sins to one another. So I'm sorry for my sins. I confess my sins and I do penance for my sins. Jesus talks a lot about doing penance. It's all through the Bible. So the penance thing, I think, is a little more obvious. The confession thing, well, a lot of groups might say they don't believe in that, but it is in the Bible. We're supposed to do that. But the sorrow for sin that should be obvious, but it's not obvious to a lot of people. They think they're doing some kind of magic trick, having the sin taken away, and they're not sorry. And so what I would just like to say, as I come to wrapping up the sermon for the day, is even if you can't get to confession this moment, even if we don't go every day, even if we don't go every week, we should be doing a daily examination of conscience but especially if we are aware of any mortal sin, to immediately repent in our hearts. Immediately say to the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, help me to repent of the sin, to confess the sin as soon as possible. But immediately we repent within our hearts. And it's a firm purpose of amendment that's included in that. Lord, I'm not, I'm not going to do that again. Even though we know we're weak, and chances are we're going to sin again, a firm purpose of amendment says, I'm sorry, I, I'm offend, I offended you, Lord, I'm sorry, and I'm going to try so hard not to do that again. I'm going to work against doing that ever again. A firm purpose of amendment. And so being quick to repent puts us in the beginning of the process of confession. If you die during that process, you never get to receive absolution, but you've said to the Lord, Lord, I'm really, really sorry, and uh, I'm getting the confession as soon as I can, You've already begun the process of repentance. And remember, according to church teaching, we go to hell because of unrepentant mortal sin. So if let's just say the soonest I can get to confession is Saturday and I say, Lord, I'm going to confession Saturday, but I'm so sorry I did that. And, you know, we get into complicated matters. Let's just say there's somebody with an addiction and they're just going crazy because they're addicted to such, a, such and such a thing. And yet it's technically a mortal sin. Well, in those cases, culpability might be lacking, but that person at the very least has to be involved in something that's working against the addiction. So if it's alcoholism, that person needs to be an AA or something to that effect. They need to be working against it. So our intentions are everything. Jesus is warning us in this gospel reading to turn away from our sins, especially those that know better, 
and understanding that we are not perfect. We still have to have the intention of saying, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, I repent. Real quick at the end here, I'm reminded of the movie Silence. I know a lot of people didn't like the movie, and it's about the missionaries going to Japan and how many of them were killed and many of them compromised. And yeah, the movie doesn't present a lot of these missionaries in a very good light, but it is still generally speaking a true story. But there's one character in the movie who's so annoying, and he's the character I relate to the most. And it's the guy who keeps siding with the government, and then he's sorry, and he goes to confession to the priests. And then he sides with the government again and turns in the priests and the missionaries. And then he's so sorry. And I think to myself, that's such an annoying character because he's such a traitor. He's such a Judas, but he keeps repenting. And then finally, at the end, when the only priests left are the ones that have gone along with the government and given up their priesthood, he's got nobody left to confess to because he's turned them all in and now he wants their absolution. And you don't really know, and they don't know, is he doing this so he can turn them in? Or is he doing this because he really is sorry? But if he really is sorry, that's me. Oh my goodness, that's me. Lord, I love you. Lord, I'm so sorry. And then I commit the sin again. Lord, I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. Then I commit the sin again. And it's all of us, really. So we ask the Lord to give us good intentions, a firm purpose of amendment, and true sorrow for our sins. I hope everybody has a great day. God bless you.